Good evening, wherever you are. Thank you very much for joining us on the Just Like the Movies podcast, where me and the team leader, Johnny, we are flying high again to discuss uh, last year's, maybe the one of the biggest movies, if not the biggest movie of the year, uh, Top Gun Maverick. We kind of uh, went against type a little bit because uh, when uh, Johnny had the idea to start this podcast, he wanted to you know talk about, he wanted to wax nostalgic, talk about good old movies. And We'll break that rule once in a while, and um, I don't know if it'll be like that forever, but it's definitely for the time being. There's lots of great movies to talk about that that have come out over the past 40 years, but I think this one doesn't go too much against that formula because it's so tightly connected to uh, another beloved classic movie, of course, the original Top Gun, which came out in 1986, and... um, as far as far as this movie goes, I mean, it's like it's so tightly connected. We're going to try to get into all that, but before we get too far down the road, we always have to ask, "How's the main man doing?" Tell everybody. Silver Fox to Long Dong, I got your tail. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, it's I'm doing all right. You know, same old um, working. Uh, my son's starting kindergarten on Thursday, so I got to put him on the bus, and uh, hopefully not get as emotional as. Forrest Gump did at the end of Forrest Gump who puts his kid on the bus <laughs> I just want you to know that I love you imagine I just say that and see what the bus driver does yeah if it comes out that British people won't even know what you're doing so was that British it was British I know my impressions aren't always like spot on but that yours your impressions are usually pretty good that, that came out a little British that, that, that wasn't deep south <laughs> All right. sorry buddy we're off to a great start Um, Yeah, Top Gun Maverick, uh, I think the biggest movie of last year because Avatar sort of wrapped around the calendar a bit. Steven Spielberg said this was the movie that saved the theatrical experience uh, and the movie industry. And for arguably the greatest director of all time to say that is something. Um, Yeah, I I think a movie that people weren't sure how big of a hit it was going to be but then you get good reviews on it. You hear how the thing was made and how much was put into it. They kept putting it off during the pandemic because they were like, no, this is not debuting on HBO. This is not debuting on Paramount+. Plus. This is debuting on the biggest screens with the best sound system possible because say what you want about Tom Cruise. He is a wild maniac. But when the guy makes action movies, there's no one better. And he's arguably the biggest movie star of all time. And Definitely. this movie absolutely delivered to the point where I would love to see even another one, but I'd be too scared that they couldn't capture what they did in this one. And I don't know. I don't know how they did it. I, I, I have theories on why it was successful uh, and we'll get into that. But uh, when, when you rewatch this again, th- and like you said, Mike, this this isn't our typical thing. A lot of times we do these movies and it's like, oh man, I haven't seen that since college or I haven't seen that in 15 years or I haven't seen that. And this one is just like, yeah, I saw it in the theaters a year ago. Uh, I saw it recently just because it's great. And yeah, I rewatched it again this past week and it is just a, an incredible movie. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And it's when you think about the... Um... You know, I remember when I first heard rumors about this because they tried to get this made for a long time. And it was one of those things where the it was kind of like Matt Damon with the whole Bourne Identity thing. Like Tom Cruise kind of put his foot in his mouth a little bit, like in the early 90s when he was promoting uh, Born on the 4th of July, Born on the 4th of July, excuse me. He was doing an interview, I think it was for Playboy of all things. 
you know, back <laughs> when people used to read that for the articles. And yes. um, <laughs> he, uh, he said he thought it would be irresponsible to make a sequel to Top Gun because he thought that the original kind of sugar-coated... I think he kind of, once he was a couple years out from it, he kind of realized that maybe the movie, people interpreted it that it was like a, a kind of piece of Navy propaganda and, you know, enlistments jumped up. We talked about that when we did our original Top Gun podcast. So if you haven't listened to that, folks, you know, go back and really celebrate our entire back catalog as well. But, um, you know, we did do a, we did do a, a Top Gun podcast and we, we covered some of the things that we're going to touch on here. A little bit, and just just as a warning, uh, I, I mean, and this is kind of dumb because we people, if you don't, if you're not familiar with our branded discussion, we are going to get into some spoilers probably. And this movie has only been out for 15 months, so there's a possibility that some people might not have seen it. So if you haven't, turn this off, go watch this movie because it it rips, and then come back and listen to our discussion about it. Yeah, if you haven't seen Top Gun Maverick yet, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> But I mean, they were they were talking about making this movie in the '90s, and then like you know, Tony Scott unfortunately uh, died in 2012, and then that set things back. Like, so they, it went through a lot of different iterations. Where at one point, Tom Cruise wasn't even going to be a major part of the movie; he was just going to be like kind of the bridge between the old movie and the new movie to probably introduce like a new class of fighter pilots or whatever. But. Um, I don't know. I don't even know where to start with this one, man. I mean, you picked it. Where um, do you want to start? Yeah, and that that type of decision seems to lead to dissent and the attitude of, you know, they sullied the legacy of the original type of stuff. And people don't like... People seem to not really like passing the baton movies especially if your target audience is still the people who love the original. Um, now that is a nuanced thought because I think it's a case by case basis, but I think with Top Gun Maverick and I really believe this with my whole heart, part of the reason why this movie was such a big success and a big hit and why fans loved it, critics loved it across the board, made a ton of money is because it wasn't that trope of, the old hero sort of losing his way and other people needing to remind him of who he is. This is the opposite. This movie is Maverick is saying like, I am a fighter pilot. I've always been a fighter pilot. They talk about it in the movie. They're like, isn't that strange? You're still captain. How'd that happen? And he's like, I don't know, sir. And they touch on that. Like you're, you're a dinosaur. Your time is gone. And he's like, maybe sir, but not today. And it's like older audiences, even us who are getting a little older, it's sort of like, we're not done yet. We live through, <laughs> we sort of live through Maverick here where it's like, we aren't, you know, we're not passing the baton in our lives. It's still our time too. And I think that hits a nerve and it, it's this whole movie is based around Maverick saying fighter pilots are still important. I'm still viable. Let me prove it to you. And it's everyone else telling him that he's not. And I like that better than the, uh, I can't do that anymore. It's beyond me. Uh, you know, it's it's. I'm finished. I'm washed up. And people are like, yeah, no, man, get back I, in I there. mean, I could I could do a whole separate discussion about the whole postmodern influence on cinema and how like they're destroying all the old heroes and all that shit. But I mean, that's pretty apparent 
from a lot of the new movies that have come out recently. I'm not going to name names, but, um, you know, this movie, like, and then we have kind of like our little cliche or trope, if you want to call it, like, where, you know, it's always like, he's the best. And then in this movie, they actually show you why he's the best. Yeah. And... It, it all culminates into, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preempt you a little bit because you always ask me what my favorite scenes are in movies, and I'm and like 90% of the time I'm caught flat-footed like a complete fucking gavone. But... <laughs> uh, is, that, it, is that the first use of that in this podcast? It in 67 episodes? It might be. I don't know. But Total my favorite judgmental. scene is definitely... The, when he does the practice run. When he's been kicked off. When, he, when they, they decide, like, when, after Iceman's funeral, you're out. We're gonna we're gonna try this a different way because all you've shown these these pilots is that this fi- this mission can't be flown the way you're trying to show them, and then he pulls in uh, whatever favors he has, and then he just everybody's like so it's a little cheesy, but at the same time it's like it's it's good for especially a character like Hangman who could be like ex- who could have been extremely one dimensional, but then he finally shows some deference for you know, what like his skills, and then he. It's like when he sets the whole thing up and, and it, you just, you've seen through the montage how everybody's failed over and over and over again for different reasons because, like, Rooster is too cautious and, like, the other people just can't, they can't handle the turns and all that they stuff. They miss the and, mark with the guns, yeah. Yeah they, yeah, they miss the mark with the bomb, but, like, then he he comes on and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it with no spotter and I'm going to do it 15 seconds faster. <laughs> and... And part of that is, you know, we're, we'll talk about this too, probably a little more, but the fact that they decided to have it so that they had digital cameras inside the cockpit of actual F-18s and like the the actors, I, you probably read about this too, but like how the actors were like doing their own marking and their own eye lines and their own makeup and they're like running the cameras and it's all just in the service of creating that experience, which I think was definitely, this is definitely one of those movies that I'm not going to go like full snob on you, but something was lost at home video. Like it's still great, but this movie was, and it it was a gamble at the time, especially with COVID going on and like all that stuff. But you know, this movie was made for the theater. Like there was the little thank you message beforehand that told you that like, this is why we make movies that we make movies to be watched in the theater. And the, 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 the point you mentioned about, how Steven Spielberg credited this with saving cinema. I think it's really like, and we kind of talked about that a little bit on the last episode, but it's kind of sad that that's where we're at now, that there's one movie that comes along and it's like, oh, see, theaters are still viable. Unfortunately, this year it happens to be Barbie for whatever fucking reason. Or Oppenheimer as well. Yeah, Oppenheimer. Yeah, but I think Barbie's definitely like the getting more of the credit for getting more asses in seats. Oh but, yeah, uh, that, that I mean that was definitely my favorite money. scene of the whole movie, and it culminates in the whole thing where it's like, oh, this is why he's a big deal. Like it's not just him, ta- like like tormenting the kids and train, or I shouldn't call them the kids because they're all really good pilots, but they but they they just seem like kids compared to him, right? And it's like it's not just him tormenting them during training because they don't have the same experience he does, or. Or anything like it's just, it's like oh okay this guy really is that good even at that age and then this movie did a really good job of explaining you know some of the contrivances like about how the navy busters people out at a certain age if they don't hit a certain rank and it's just he he had he had and it's a great way to like keep one other link to the story which was Iceman which was I mean I guess uh, Tom Cruise really had to fight for that to get him back in the movie especially with everything Val Kilmer unfortunately has been going through in recent right. years. 
But um, anyway, sorry, man. I've been I've been like running away with it. No, not at all. <laughs> no, yeah, it, it was really good to see you know Val Kilmer in this movie, and they sort of in a sense incorporated his real life illness with a parallel illness that clearly Iceman's going through, and he doesn't have a lot of time left, and he's the reason why Maverick is still given these opportunities, um, and it shows that that friendship has sustained over the course of time. Um, but then also another heavy connection, of course, is uh, Bradley Bradshaw being Goose's son uh, as Rooster. And I thought Miles Teller was great in this movie. Uh, I thought the whole c- the cast was pretty good. And even um, Glenn Powell as sort of like the new Iceman. He's like the new, you know, kind of prick who's a part of the group. And you could tell that, the, the, you know, the good looking guy with the perfect hair and the the, you know, five-star smile but he's like this arrogant prick and yeah like, I mean, like, he would have the toothpick like yeah Ice you're like that's did. the new yeah that's our new ice man got it and then you know they they incorporated some female pilots because you do have to you know go 2020 with it um and that there are female pilots now so they you know they have that in the mix which is uh much different than the uh borderline gay boys club from 1986 <laughs> original um but I'm sure Slider somewhere, even though he didn't make the movie, still stinks in one way or another. So, <laughs> well, but, I mean, it's like they could have got gotten so carried away with like bringing back all the old familiar faces. So I'm glad they showed some restraint. Yeah, with, you know yeah. they had they had Maverick, they had Iceman, and then even Goose's son being in it is like a little bit of a stretch. But then you just think about kind of the pat like how funny genetics are, like how people just. And they kind of did a good job with that in the movie. Like his hair is the same; he has the same mustache, and he he's, probably a, he's get... taller than Maverick. It's like you you feel that same sort of uh, that scale dichotomy between the two. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like with him, it, it's it, could it be that he's like uh, I don't know, it, like it, despite everything his mom tried to do and just keep him from being a pilot. It was like, and then how old was he when his, when his dad died? He could have been more than like four or five years old. Right. But apparently those memories were super potent and they stayed with them. Like even like plays great balls of fire on the piano and all that stuff. And yeah. they show the flashback too, which was, you know, the, the, I, they, they did a good job of towing the line of showing stuff from the original and, and tying it in like you said, without making it feel like they're clubbing us over the head with remember this and remember well, did that. Did you know that was a post production decision? I did not know that. No, they, they they added that in the edit because they thought they wanted to like kind of just reinforce it a little more, maybe for people who I don't know for I, some reason there were people who were homeschooled and then lived in a cave and never saw Top Gun, <laughs> like maybe, but. They did say that during the train, during the uh, test screening, that what they thought was really interesting was that the movie was very well received, but there wasn't really a difference between people who described themselves as Top Gun fans and people who described themselves not as Top Gun fans, which is like the dream, right? Yeah, I yeah, and it could have been also sort of to what you're saying, maybe like younger audiences who maybe haven't seen Top Gun just because. And they wanted to see this because everyone's saying it's good. So it gives them that sort of like, oh, okay, he flew with that guy and I get that. And they tell you at the beginning too, you see Maverick working on his plane and there's the pictures of Goose and stuff. And that makes sense because that's probably what someone in that situation would have in their garage. So all the things they do for the nods and references back to stuff like Goose, Iceman, 
Penny Benjamin, which was a very light reference. We talked about it in our Top Gun podcast, and that that comes full circle here in a big way. Um, no Charlie, you know, romances, not everything, you know, works out. So maybe they dated for a while, didn't work out. Boom, there goes that storyline. Don't need it. But everything they did, I thought they they handled really well, and that helped make this a good movie versus just some sort of nostalgia act. Um, in addition to it, in my opinion, being a better movie overall, just in terms of what went into making it. And I did watch the behind-the-scenes 10-minute featurette on them you know, going in the water tanks and being submerged underwater while having to undo their restraints and climb through uh, hatches and going up in the planes and barfing at 7Gs and, and each different type of plane that they worked the actors up to. And like you said, having the cameras in the cockpit. Like, these actors are up in F-18s. That's no joke, man. <laughs> no, like, this is... No. Th- like, this is that was serious stuff. And then just thinking about, you know, the, the story in general, it, it worked for me. And, and I, I'm going to get to my favorite parts, too, since you did yours. I have two. One, I'm going to cheat. One is an action one. One's an emotional one. And the action one is when they have they get the F-14 and it's it's Maverick and it's Rooster and they use the taxiway to take off break the landing gear and when they spot the f-14 on the radar and uh cyclone goes maverick and the dong hits from the main top gun theme and you see the f-14 take off that is nostalgia but it hit me right in the chest and i loved it i thought it was such a cool moment but also yes. that that happens like u.s sells old planes to other countries and they send billions of dollars into other, other countries so that's that that is legitimate well, um it depends on because with the F-14s, it was interesting because in this movie, I mean, they did everything in their power. Part of what made it so kind of, I don't want to, I guess visceral would be the word like for the, because they really didn't whenever possible tried not to use green screen, but with the F-14, that's what they had to do because the, the United States decommissioned their entire fleet. Yep. And most of those parts, the only country in the world i think that still has f-14s is iran so yeah. they didn't want to create a black market for parts so they couldn't get like a working f-14 for this movie but right. and uh i still think it's hilarious that tom cruise like because every i mean we talked about it enough and it's well known but like how that guy is like such a type a like he thinks he can do anything yeah and he was probably legitimately disappointed that the Navy wouldn't let him actually fly a plane. Like if they wouldn't like tr- they would because he was he's already a pilot. I mean, granted, right. he's but it, it was is well like because like I remember when I first heard about this movie, the rumors about it back in like I don't know 2016, 2017, and then they were talking about how Tom Cruise was going to use his P fifty one because that P fifty one in the hangar, the beginning and the end of the movie, that's actually his plane. Yeah. Yep, and I was like, "Man, this sequel is gonna be terrible." Like, I what are they doing? Like, it's just weird. Like, all these rumors were weird. I was like, totally wrong about that. Thankfully, but it was like, I mean, this movie could have been a complete disaster. Like, cause we oh, yeah. always talk about the danger of the too late sequel, especially in the comedy realm. Not that this is, but it, I mean, this movie could have been like just fucked eight ways from Sunday, and it could have been terrible. It but, could have been a complete disaster. I agree. It it just feels like when I'm thinking about it, obviously after having watched it, and you look at the people that they got involved in this movie, 
they just made sure they went big in every way possible. They bring in Hans Zimmer to help with the score, which, you know, was used to create new dramatic themes and support the Harold Faltermeyer original stuff. Uh, you get doused with a little bit of that Kenny Loggins at the beginning as a nod. But then Lady Gaga with that theme, I think, really lifted this movie to to new heights. And then, you know, you got Bruckheimer back, Tom Cruise with his, his basically filmmaking partner at this point, Chris McQuarrie. Uh, they know how to work together to make big action movies. Look at the Mission Impossible movies, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Paramount. I mean, all the boxes checked the right way. Um, and then the, I think the only one that might have been the wild card is Joseph Kaczynski being the director because he's not a household name. Um, yeah, I but, think they had worked together on Oblivion, which is like definitely one of Tom Cruise's lesser known films. It's pretty good. It's definitely yeah. it's like worth your time, but it's yeah. not like you know it's it's not like this. Yeah, or, you know one of the later Mission Impossible movies, but it's pretty or like Edge of Tomorrow. Like Edge of Tomorrow is a really good movie too. But I, I did not see that one. Um, I I I try to see. I still have catching up to do on some of the Mission Impossible movies too, to be honest. But I, I feel like with this movie, they just made sure they're like, if we're going to do Top Gun 2, we cannot mess around and we can't rely on the name. We can't rely on the nostalgia that it's just Tom Cruise and he gets, you know, that fresh military haircut and we're going to be good. We have to make <laughs> sure it's, we have to make sure we go big. And they did. And it's not just the actual filming of the planes and in the cockpit and stuff. They really did give us deliver a really good story and by the end of the movie which is my second favorite part is and it it chokes me up a little bit is when mavericks you know the music's swelling and they get back and it's that big moment and it's like he goes thanks for saving my life and and rooster goes it's what my dad would have done i'm like oh god almighty no, I don't. I don't care who you are. If if that doesn't do something to you, you know, being a Top Gun fan and thinking about Goose and uh, how Anthony Edwards played that role so well, uh, I don't know that you have a soul. So that that <laughs> I I, I love. I just love that so much. So, but and, and then the romance too, like the Penny Benjamin thing. Like, not many people would pick up on that line probably from you know a throwaway line which is mentioned i think only twice in the original movie i believe meg ryan does mention it later in the movie that penny benjamin but they bring her back and it to me was a better a love story than maverick and charlie and i really bought i i was sold on it and they really told it well and they did a good job of interweaving that in between what was happening with maverick and rooster and of course the getting the Top Gun graduates ready for this uh, dangerous mission. Yeah, what, like one of the challenges with a big time jump like this is that, and they did it pretty well, I, I think. I mean, they, they, they you know, you have, char- you have the character development for the new characters, but then you have, like, in, in the instance of the love story, like you mentioned, you have to you have to use very economical with how you present information and you know they it it establishes pretty clearly that they had like an on again off again thing that didn't work out you know he would like always pick going on a new mission over staying with her that's why he went to iraq twice and whatever else the resume or bosnia whatever else she said in that scene where they were talking and you know somewhere in the interim she had a kid so who knows if she got divorced or if it was like some some other deal but it was like somehow they always ended up fighting like 
and then in the movie, it's he goes to this random bar, and she just happens to be there. Like, she happens to have bought the bar and is running it. So it's like, it definitely wasn't something, he didn't go looking for her. Right. Which is, I don't know, some people might think that's a little bit of a contrivance, but... And he know, clearly hadn't seen her in a while, uh, because he he sees the girl, and he's like, is that, you know, and he's like, yeah. is that you? You know, so it has to have been long enough where... The, the his, her daughter must have been very young last time he saw her so we're probably looking at 10 years or more mm-hmm. so yeah and that might be a little too coincidental that he goes to the bar and she's there and stuff but an admiral's daughter she runs a bar why would she not run it where uh the navy is so. yeah the kid also makes a comment about how her her father's in hawaii so it's it's likely he was another navy man so she yeah. just like kind of is part of that community yeah 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 and you know a lot of people don't uh tend to to leave those circles yeah because i always fuck that up because i always for some reason i got it in my head when i was really young that top gun was in florida originally and it's not it's in san diego well now like as we discussed on the last top gun or the original top gun episode the real top gun is in nevada now it's been there since like the mid 90s but I think for this movie, they kept it in San Diego, which is more scenic. And, um, you know, you, you could do the beach volleyball scene or the beach football scene. The so football show scene. Off their yeah. ripped bodies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, I mean, Tom Cruise, like, he can do a lot of good things. He doesn't look like he can throw a ball very well. But <laughs> Apparently, he can't sail either. Like, that sailing scene was a complete nightmare. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. But... Yeah, it made me not want to eat carbs for a while. And then... uh, (laughs) Yeah, dude, how about Bill Pullman's son keeping it real and just not taking his shirt off? I know! Good for him! Good for Bob. Yeah, yeah. Good for Bill Pullman's son. They should give that him was another thing about this movie. Like, movie we're going to get probably bogged down in some minor details, but it should be fun. Like, how... um, You know, we talked about how in the first movie, like, everybody had, like, cool call signs. Like, it was, like, you know, Viper and, like... Iceman, Jester, like, like super aggressive, and like in this movie they have a little bit of that, but it's a little, it's a you can tell that the edges have kind of softened a little bit. Like the one dude's named Fanboy, like you've got right. Bob. I mean, you have Payback, which sounds kind of try hard, but you can see like you could maybe see how that like comes from maybe they, they like he would always go out to eat and he would always like never have money, so you have to like pay people back. Like I'll, yeah. I'll pay you back. I don't know. I, it was just some goofy thing I thought of because I remember that was that was something uh, really cool that we talked about in the last ep- uh, the Top Gun episode where you know in, in real life fighter pilots like they don't pick their call signs. Like well, yeah, wasn't it like Bozo? What Bo- Bozo was the guy who trained uh, Tom Cruise in the first? Oh, maybe. Yeah, I think it was Bozo. Know. And. The, 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 Bozo was the guy who took Tom Cruise up and made him throw up because he was like he was spinning the plane and stuff. And they said uh, I don't know if he was called Bozo because he acted like a clown, but um, they even say <laughs> it in, his hair. Yeah, well, yeah, he just shows up with a, like a rainbow wig and he's like big All right, fucking red nose from drinking. So they call him Bozo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, one um, of the guys involved in this move in the original Top Gun, uh, I can't remember his full name. His last name's Willard. It might be like Rich Willard or something. He was the choreographer for the fight scenes in the original Top Gun. He actually became the the commander of the Pacific Fleet, which is the job Iceman had, but he had it in real life for two years, which I thought oh, was kind of cool. crazy. That is yeah. cool. Um, yeah, and speaking of Iceman, 
you know, the, the new Iceman, Hangman, they even mentioned in the movie, you know, we call him Hangman because he'll always leave you hanging. He'll never hesitate to leave you hanging. So you're right. There is sometimes that negative connotation to how they get their uh, call signs. Yeah. And uh, it, it was interesting with him because in the in this movie, I know that like, you know, the big mission one of the things that I saw that people kind of, I don't know if they were just being cheeky or maybe some people really thought, like, took it personally, but I know some people said that, like, well, the last, the last thing they do, that's just Star Wars. That's all they're doing. It's just Star Wars. It's like, well, it was supposedly based too. on a real mission that happened. It was, like a, it was like a hybrid of events. Like, one of them was the Israeli Air Force destroying an Iraqi uh, nuclear reactor back in the early 80s. And... It was interesting because, like, Hangman, like, his whole his whole act, him being so notorious, is because he was the only active pilot besides Maverick that had shot down a manned aircraft. Yeah. And that was based on a real incident that happened in 2017 in Syria. So, like, there's little things like that in this movie that maybe it just, you wouldn't think that much thought went into them, but they but apparently they did. Yeah. This movie definitely feels like it has more depth to it than the original and I'm not using this episode in particular to say how much better this movie is than, than the original, but we do need to celebrate that. And I'm not I'm not, well, I don't want to speak for you because I don't know if you agree about that, but I, it is very rare for a movie to, uh, a sequel to be better than an original, especially if the original is a big hit or a, a legacy hit that people still love to this day. I can count a few on my hand, maybe the T yeah, two. I mean, uh, you know, we we talked about maybe X two or Days of Future Past, Godfather uh, two, The Dark Knight. I still like the original Godfather better, but I I, I believe I uh, I respect the argument. Empire Strikes Back for me. Yeah. Uh, last I mean, the list is short and distinguished, me. just like my Johnson. Uh, there he is. That's why he's the best in the business, folks. And it's actual, uh, it's applicable to you in real life. So Yep. Yeah, exactly. Short and distinguished, indeed. Long and distinguished. No, I said short and distinguished because we're talking about sequels that were better than the original. Those are not, that's not a long list. But you made a reference to the fucking line in Top Gun, Mike. Let's I, not I fucking did. split hairs here. Let me, but just let me be self-effacing, man. Just let me have it. All right. I'm still, I'm still calling you Long Dong as your call sign, though. I'm going to start calling you Gray Bush then. Great Bush. <laughs> what am I, I do laughing not. about? Like I'm that fucking far behind. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, unbelievable. Just, just not aging gracefully. You're just like dunking your whole junk in like a thing of fucking copy toner. I bet that's safe. I bet there's no cancer risk when you do that. Are you talking about dyeing your pubes? I am. <laughs> I will safely say there are seven and a half billion people on this planet. Maybe there's been 30, 40, 50 episodes of people talking about Top Gun Maverick on podcasts. Zero of them until this day have talked about dyeing your pubes with copy toner. <laughs> and that's why people come back, Mike. That's why they come back. That's exactly yeah. why they come back. Um, all right. So what do you think overall about, uh, the man, the man himself? How did Tom Cruise do for you? Did you, cause sometimes that's another thing too. And you and I have talked about this about Die Hard. Sometimes Bruce Willis rolls up into these sequels and you're like, it doesn't even, it doesn't even seem like John McClane anymore. Did you feel like he was Maverick? Cause I, yeah. I felt like he nailed it. 
For sure. It was like it was like he never changed. It yes. was like he had all the same problems like with his career. Like one thing I picked up on and I know this is a little goofy, but it was I was trying to think of like when he's in the hangar and he's in the hangar and he's working on his plane and he's got all the personal stuff there. I was like, does he live in the hangar? Because yeah, he's, he's got a that Navy trailer. captain. Yeah. Like a Navy ca- like Navy captains probably make pretty good money, but I don't know if they make enough money to afford California real estate and a hangar for their plane that they also own. Yeah, he's got his hangar, and I believe right after the opening scene, we see him sort of like walking out of this like trailer, which looks like it's not like a rental. It looks like he's been there a while. Oh, maybe I missed that part because like I-, I I got it in my head that I was like, man, how how. Like, what a character trait that would be if he lived in an airplane hangar. Like, because... (laughs) Well, it's almost like, is that, that's like the movie's way of saying, like, he just, he cannot get away. He, like, he, this is his DNA. He lives this sort of thing. Almost the way Tom Cruise is over making films. Just like, he's so obsessed with cinema and the movie experience. It's like, that's Maverick and flying planes and being a pilot. No, I mean, I I, I think if, if people... I think if you're if somebody was actually talking about how Tom, and, and they were being serious about it, talking about how Tom Cruise didn't do a good job of this movie, it's like, okay, what are you doing, man? Would you go to the the ESPN school of like debate for its own sake, like hot take bullshit university? Like, fuck you. Wait, yeah, let's let's look up, let's see, see what Skip Bayless thought of Top Gun Maverick. Let's let's see what that Armin White asshole who used to write for the New York Times who used to do those troll movie reviews, like when he talked about how Transformers Revenge of the Fallen was like a great film, like just to be a fucking troll. Like, let's look him him up and see what he thinks. There seems to be a weird sector of critics and just population in general that just will say that any of these new Transformers movies are great, and I just don't understand why. I I haven't seen any. I saw the first one, I think, maybe. You saw the first two? Yeah, and then I was all sad. Like, I'm, I'm all good on this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, another part of this, and, you know, we talked about this with Dumb and Dumber and Anchorman, and maybe it's harder to do with comedies. Um, but, I mean, 30... They filmed this movie in, like, 2018 or 2019, I think, because it was supposed to yeah. come out in 2020. And then the pandemic, they were like... Like I said at the top, they were like, we are not pushing this out on streaming you're you're gonna see when you see top gun you're gonna see it in the theater so it, it was in the can for a long time they were waiting to put it out but 30 let's just say for argument's sake 34 years later to do a sequel is risky business and pun <laughs> <laughs> pun intended i've never seen that movie oh really yeah weird good one. right yeah it's a good one i like it yeah rebecca de mornay nice Mm. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, oh, that's another thing we we can't really do in this movie is like how how do the actresses hold up today? It's because well, there's Jennifer Connelly, there she is, she looks good. Yeah, she yeah. Looks good. And, uh, you've got you've got Monica Barbaro in it, you know, looking pretty good, and then you got that hot Asian chick who you know isn't going on the mission because she never she doesn't get any lines. So. Oh yeah, there's always those people in the classroom that just don't have lines. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like, they made it pretty clear, like, who the story was going to be around. And, like, one of the things that, and, and this is a nitpick, but it, it, it just seemed like Rooster was going to be going on the mission no matter what. Like, there, was, there wasn't there was really any, 
they like as they spent most of the time with the pilot showing how hard the mission was going to be. So it was really hard to ascertain like who were who actually had the best skills. The best. <laughs> who was the best? But like who was best suited for the mission? So I, I know you that's knew again, he was that's, going. You knew it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like one of those things. It's like a little picky, but. But then the thing is, like every every time Tom Cruise had dialogue about it, he didn't want him to go. But yeah, so that was like supposed to be like this big moment where he turns around. But then again, it's like not. It was kind of like how uh, Homegirl Phoenix got to go on the mission and she crashed a fucking plane. Yeah, and she got to go. Yeah, which I well, I, 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 I know yeah, it wasn't I, her fault, but like still yeah. it seemed kind of goofy. Like the dude, the dude who went in G lock and passed out and almost crashed. Like that makes sense why he didn't go. Oh, uh, Coyote. Pay- oh, was that? Pi- oh, that was Coyote. No, Payback went. Oh yeah, Payback went. Yeah, you're right. It was Coyote. Um, yeah, and, and you know, Maverick getting to sort of like pick the team in a sense, and you feel like maybe he saw some things in people that he knew from the past and their their flights and their instincts because it's like he th- he literally at the beginning throws the book in the garbage. And then so, before that, he's like, well, I, I think I could fly it, but I don't know who else I would trust to do it. And then they're like, yeah. no, we want you to teach it. And then he ends up like hijacking the thing anyway. Which, which is, which is cool. why, again, why I think the movie did well. Because if it was this thing where Maverick is just like on the ground telling them how to do the mission and yeah, that's he's the like, climax he's of the like movie. He's like the John Hamm part. Yeah, that'd or be that'd almost. be a fucking the movie would have been a fucking disaster. It would have made two hundred million dollars <laughs> at the box office and completely tanked. Uh, wow. Yeah, and and let's not forget that this movie is so fucking good that Ed Harris is in it, and I almost forget every fucking time. I'm like, holy shit, that's right, Ed Harris is in this. Yeah, yeah, t- I think John Hamm joined the movie without even he didn't even read the script. It's like they asked him to be in it. He's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, hell yeah, dude, yeah. Um and Charles Parnell, he's a character actor who pops up in a bunch of things. I yeah, I, I, I enjoyed him. I, sorry, go ahead. Well, Talk I was gonna to say like yeah, I like that you had people like uh Coleman and Warlock, uh, who's played by Charles Charles Parnell, who were still on Maverick's side. It wasn't like everybody hated him. It, it, right. it would have been it would have been too much if that was. It would have made no sense either. Yeah. Because yeah. he's a really well-revered, like he's a he's a notorious. Like, that's the wrong word, but he's a really well-revered pilot. He's he seems like kind of even though he's a captain, which is a pretty high-ranking naval officer, he seems like kind of like in that community. He's like he's like a man of the people. Exactly. Because yeah, you yeah. know, like Ed Harris is part of his role is to deliver the lines about like to kind of contextualize Maverick's presence in the Navy. It's like, you should be a senator by now, or like a t- at least a two-star admiral. Like, what are you still doing? And he's like, well, that's what I am. And right. that's kind of a recurring theme. And then, like, one of the things they do with Maverick, and this was kind of on my mind when I was watching the movie, is they really set up the whole, like, two big things with him. It's the whole, and it's, it's kind of a recurring theme, because this was a big part of the new Mission Impossible movie, Dead Reckoning. It was about, like, how technology is, like, supplanting humanity, and, like, making making people in certain jobs obsolete. And then there's also kind of that specter of death that hangs over the movie a little bit. Like, it's not overly grim, but I mean, like, like uh, I think Ed Harris also makes a comment. It's like, despite, or, or no, I think maybe John Hamm has the line where he's like, despite all your best efforts, you're still alive. Yeah. Because, yeah. 
And I don't think it's because Maverick's suicidal, because that that wouldn't really fit in with his whole like happy-go-lucky persona at all. But I think it's the fact that you know he's a t- at the beginning of the movie he's a test pilot. I mean that's a really dangerous job. Like it's it's almost like synonymous. We think we think dangerous job is like test pilot. Yeah, but he's and, but he. And of course, with with any modern movie or any movie, people have their dumb theories. And the dumbest one I heard was that he dies during that uh, Mach oh, 10 Oh, fuck scene. that, dude. I, fuck. I, I, I love bringing that stuff up just for your reaction. I mean, dude, I mean, I like a fan theory when it's good or like it, it's kind of thought provoking. Never when it's it's all a fucking dream. That is... <laughs> That's complete <laughs> hack shit. It was hack when St. Elsewhere did it in fucking 1986 or whatever the fuck. It's it's hack now. It's even worse now. Did they do that on w- Dallas? Wasn't that the big, like, the big, like, JR was shot and that wound up being, like, a dream or something? On that TV show Dallas? It was before our time. No, no, one of the characters died. The character Patrick Duffy died. Like, he, he they did a whole season like he was dead. And then his wife woke up and then he's getting out of the shower and he's like... He has some famous line. I can't remember what it was. Oh, like he, he goes, suck me. <laughs> I think that's it. I think that's exactly what it was. I think he comes at Patrick, like just 1980, like mid-80s Patrick Duffy glistening in all of his glory to Tally. Pre step-by-step like, Patrick Duffy. Yeah, he's just like, suck me. <laughs> Patrick Duffy just channels Peter Steele from Typo Negative. Uh, suck me. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, I forget what we're talking about, but one of the better <laughs> yeah, me too. one of the better acting moments for Tom Cruise, I would say, is when he's with Iceman, um, because there's humor there, because uh, they, you know, when when Iceman goes, just answer me one question: Who's the better pilot? And <laughs> Maverick goes, "This is a good moment. Let's not ruin it." Yeah, yeah. I, mean, they... I, I like that a lot, and I also liked how he talked to him about Bradley, and he was like, "If I take him on the mission." He could die and his mother will never forgive me and if i don't take him he'll never forgive me and it's like he's stuck in that and you can see he's like welling up because he's thinking about what happened with goose and he still clearly feels the burden of that even though he was exonerated for it um so there's a lot of that hanging over him and like the character of maverick you bring up a good point it which is a, a very you know relevant thing today with ai and everything that's going on about you know, like the old John Henry tale, like man versus machine, you know, prove that man can still do it and maybe do it better because of instincts and, and that sort of thing. Um, but then he's also, you know, the love story and like, he, you know, it's okay t- for him to like have something beyond being in the cockpit of a plane and finding somebody to be with. And then also, of course, the redemption of Bradley and that. So he, there's a lot of things that he needed to go through and get closure on and uh, also overcome in this movie. And I think that was also very important too, because if it was linear and there wasn't much of that, or if it were just one or the other, maybe the movie feels a little flatter, but the fact that they were able to give this big giant massive action movie in two hours and 10 minutes, as you aptly hit um, and still weave in these really human uh, stories with these uh, very believable in my opinion, relationships, um, I, it's just a, it's a knockout. It's a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Did you, um, I was curious, do you remember if the scene with Iceman, was that after he had the like, kind of, the kind of heated argument with, with Rooster about, and then he said like, my dad believed in you. I'm not going to make the same mistake. 
Like, was that before or after? Do you remember? Hmm. I think you stumped me. I I don't I I stump I don't know. It's not, I didn't stump anybody. I was. I I don't know if that would like added a little more color to the scene or whatever because the only reason why I think it, the argument was before because like you said right pretty much right after the Iceman Maverick scene Iceman dies then there's the funeral and then Maverick goes to prove yeah that, that he gets pulled the mission can be done and I and think then, that like, all happens er, everything from that point on there isn't much between Maverick and uh, Rooster, as far as I remember, in terms of contention. Yeah, because then he gets pulled for the mission and Don Draper decides he's going to get everybody fucking killed. <laughs> Don Draper. Yeah. Did you watch John Hamm was good in this too, man. You know, I got to say, he did a pretty no, good No, he was job. good. And it was, and it would probably be a pretty unappreciated part because authority figures generally are, but then you have to remember what you're watching. You're watching a movie about the Navy. It's all hierarchy and superior officers and stuff and uh, like John Hamm actually had a lot of concerns about playing this role like he didn't want it to be he wanted it to be like a real superior officer and he wanted but he didn't want it to be like overwhelmingly negative against Maverick because you know he's the main character of the movie he's like the you know the source of you know people's joy or whatever I don't know if that's how people interpret it but he's like he's definitely the hero of the thing and so what they did was they shot a lot of different takes, like with varying reactions, and then they kind of blended them together. I know that's like, we've talked about that in other movies where they've done that, but um, I just thought yeah. that was pretty interesting because he wanted to toe the line between being an authority figure and being like, and then and then he actually got some praise from people, uh, ex-veterans, who said that that's kind of how your superior officers treat you. Like they're not... There's not like a drill sergeant yelling at you thing, but like sometimes there's like a low level of contempt and it's like they, but they can't, they also know that like not everybody can be Maverick. Like right. somebody has to be the boss. Somebody has to like be in charge. So right. yeah. I don't know if that, that adds any color to that or anything, but that was something that jumped out at me when I was doing my, my no, reading that's as a good I do. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, yeah. I, I just feel like every, it's almost like this is one of those movies where not flip a coin, but it was almost like when they got to this point to make certain decisions, whether that's in editing or final drafts or like post-production choices, like you brought up before about the flashbacks, they made the right decision in every instance. The only nitpick I really have is when I think about it and they don't talk about it in Top Gun either. Goose's death is kind of really Iceman's fault. And I think we talked about that on our Top Gun podcast because he got greedy and was still trying to go for the points and then Maverick flies into his jet wash. If that doesn't happen, the canopy issue is not an issue. And they don't... I would have liked if they addressed it a little bit here, especially if Iceman's Iceman's dying in this movie. Um, but maybe they felt like, oh, that's something they probably talked about. In yeah, the last that that would have had years, a bit but... water on the under the bridge. Plus, then I think if they introduced that angle, it would have felt more like Maverick had leverage on Iceman as opposed to they they built respect for each other over the years, and that and then Iceman as he climbed the ranks protected his friend as opposed to doing it out of guilt. I think then that would kind of put put that whole relationship at a weird angle that would that would really diminish from the film yeah yeah that i mean that's fair if as i think about it now and as we talk about it i i think it 
should have been, if at all, it should have been addressed in the original film. And the fact that it wasn't, you just got to assume that something happened in between in the last 30 years. I mean, you could kind of write that off too as the like, like I mentioned, I, I know a couple people who were, you know, in that community and they, they tell little stories. And when you hear pilots talk, it's like they're very nonchalant about events where they could die horribly because it's just something they accept. They, they accept that like what they do is very risky. Like, like uh, my one friend told me, it's like he, uh, he heard a pilot telling a story about how he, he was, uh, I don't remember the exact circumstances, but it was like, it could have ended in a fiery high speed crash. And he called, he just referred to it as jet stuff. It was like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, you know, I was in the middle of my ascent and the controls just went and one of my engines was on fire, you know, jet stuff. And then, <laughs> and then he just like smash cut to the part where, you know, he's still like, it's kind of like an understated, like gallows humor. It's like, well, I'm, I'm here talking to you. So I guess it wasn't that bad. And that's, wow, man. Yeah. That's you know, crazy. You know, that jet stuff. Certain, certain, certain breed of animal to be able to just do that sort of thing. Yeah. Right? Or you could just refer to it to like, you know, a really bad, like, I don't know, like hookup story from out in the field. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, dude, what happened with you and that like 250 pound Hispanic chick at, at the, uh, at that fucking concert we were at. It's like, oh, I don't know. We just went to the bathroom, you know, jet stuff. And then I went home. Jet stuff. <laughs> I walked her to her car, jet stuff. And I went home. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like yada, 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 but with like terrible shit. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like that. I like that. Um, I did want to sort of bring up how, even though Maverick's still Maverick, he does sort of take on the role of Viper in this movie in a way. Um, because there was one line that stood out to me, and I didn't notice it until this recent rewatch, that almost mirrors exactly something Viper had said to Maverick when he was going to quit and he went to go see Viper at his house in the original. Um, which was after Goose died, he said, if you fly long enough, it'll happen. You know, you'll lose people and stuff. And... Um, he says that to to rooster at you know it almost verbatim in this movie like you fly long enough you know it'll, it, he said it'll happen and i'm like holy shit he just like you always, like every once in a while in your life you like hear something somebody tells you and it just sticks with you whether it's it could be something minuscule and throwaway but some, some for some reason it sticks with you or it could be something heavy like this and clearly that's something that he carried on from viper now th again you know that's that's another situation where they probably could have gotten some of those old dinosaurs back in for this movie too because i as far as i know tom scarrett was still alive yeah i think he was I, michael ironside was still around I ironside think even the for guy, sure i think even the actor who played uh stinger who was the I, he's original, like 90 yeah he was like in his 90s but i think he was still alive i think is, he yeah i think you're right he God, might even still be been, alive today for all i know man could you but yeah that's definitely I think they definitely showed a lot of restraint without going overboard. Restraint's had, the perfect word. Yeah. Yeah, they had enough callbacks. They had enough little Easter eggs that you might not have caught the first couple times you watched the movie, or maybe you just didn't even notice them. And then you like, like, like in my case, read about them, like with the um, when he types in '86 on the on the jukebox, and that was the year Top Gun came oh, out. Oh, does he? But it's oh. slow ride. It's not like anything from the... And then he's like, I love this song. It was pretty Imagine fun. it's that, Mighty Wings, and you're like, what the fuck? God, I fucking wish. Oh, man. <laughs> it was Mighty Wings. Like, this one of the greatest movie Tonight! ever made. 
bam, Citizen bam, Kane, bam. dog shit. The original <laughs> Godfather, run of the mill compared to Top Gun Maverick. If only they had Mighty Wings on that jukebox. <laughs> the only thing separating it from being an like an un- unquestioned classic. No, I'm just. It, it would have won the best picture at the Academy if it had Mighty Wings on the jukebox. Did you read the thing, though, about how it got nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay and, like, supposedly people thought it was bullshit or something? They were like, ah, what? Uh, No, so the rules with the Academy... I actually looked this up, so I'm proud of myself. Oh, Um, wow, okay. The rules on this is anything that is sequel-based gets automatically dunked into Adapted Screenplay. Oh, I see. It's adapted on the original material. That's my fault, because when I read that and there was no context, I thought it was just, like the like the show business community being haughty and being like oh this got nominated for best writing nah. like <laughs> no okay so it was a it was like a technicality where it was a sequel so it didn't get go in for best original screenplay right yeah got it great yep. great background thank you that yeah really, it, i really didn't understand that at all yeah, that's also like a, another reason why I like doing this podcast is because like I think we've learned things that we probably wouldn't have otherwise because of just we're lazy, um, but because for the sake of trying to do our our best to uh, <laughs> to do the best podcast we can, like you know we do look some of this stuff up from time to time. We're not sitting here saying we're experts because we're not. We're regular dudes who love these movies. But uh, I did it. I did it win. I won best sound at the Oscars. I think that was it. Yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't expect a movie like this, even as good and as well received as it was and as successful as it was. I don't I this is one of those movies that you just you just know the Academy's not gonna it, it's it's like when, when Heath Ledger won Best Supporting Actor for The Dark Knight, I was shocked that that happened. And I think if he hadn't died like and, and this is nothing against that performance because we talked about that at length, but I think if he hadn't died, like he definitely wouldn't have won that year. So it was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, and it lost to... <laughs> I'm only saying this because I want your reaction. Sarah Polly's Women Talking. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Sarah Polly. <laughs> God damn it. Every Oh, man. It lost in film editing, um, which that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow, too. To everything, everywhere, all at once. I didn't see that. I heard it was really good, but I'm I gotta be honest, man. I'm totally burnt out on multiverse time travel shit. Like I'm I'm oh, me too. All set on that for me a while. too. Yeah. Like I, I don't yeah. care how good that movie is. Like yeah. I I don't know. I just can't do it. I mean it's it's better than like you know, whatever Sarah Polly bore fest is gonna come out next that's just like in service of just you know, the whole like defying the what is that? The Beck what is it, the Bechtel rule? The thing about like women characters like not being able to talk about men when they're on screen oh that, you got me dude the bechtel yeah. rule i think god damn that her break. whole fuck that's all that all she does oh mm. it's like yeah. oh oh you mean that that like tall like sarah plain and tall from go is that who you're talking about who now thinks she's an auteur fuck auteur <laughs> and also you almost like, ruined the whole podcast with that Oh, let's bring it I'm back. A, let's bring it back. I'm in a fucking terrible mood now. Oh shit! All right. <laughs> well, why don't you think about that uh, that Sarah Polly movie where uh, her husband fucks an alien that they made? Oh, Splice. Yeah. Oh, I forgot she was in that. 
Plus, yeah. this isn't some half-assed fucking podcast about my psychological state. So let's get just get back to Top right. Gun. Fair enough. I I was like when I saw that it was nominated for visual effects and lost. I'm like, how the fuck did that lose? And of course, I lost to Cameron and Avatar. So ah, so there you have that. I mean, it's like it's like being the '90s Knicks going against the Bulls. Like you could be the best team, but Jordan was there for a decade, and he just. He's like, New York is not winning jack shit. Yeah, it's just it's just one of those things. It's like, you can't even be mad at it. It's like, just like, oh, okay. Patrick Ewing's like, just like, fuck MJ. <laughs> fuck Michael Jordan. Um, So I I got to say, you know, did, did you see this in like an IMAX or anything? Or you saw it in like a pretty standard? I, I saw it twice in the theater. I mm-hmm. saw it once because... Uh, so this probably doesn't surprise you, but there are not a lot of IMAX theaters in the Cleveland area. Mm. Um, in fact, there's only there. Well, there's two. There's one at the Great Lakes Science Center, but they don't show movies on there. They show like nature films and documentaries about space and shit. And uh, the other one is the is at like this giant mall in Westlake called Crocker Park, and but they only have the one screen, I think. Mm. So it's. Mm. It's like there'll be, I mean, the whole, that was part of what happened with the new Mission Impossible movie where why they thought that it was uh, kind of disappointing in box office returns was because it couldn't compete for the IMAX screens with Oppenheimer because Christopher Nolan is like the, he's like the patron saint of that format. But there, yeah, there's, there's like one IMAX screen that's within a reasonable driving distance of Cleveland. Otherwise, I think you have to go to Pittsburgh or maybe Columbus. There's just like, they're oh, wow. both, each of those is like two hours in different directions, but um, I did get to see it in IMAX though. It was, it was, um, it was really great. And then like, I, but this is the first time I I sat down and watched the whole movie since then. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I, I like I mentioned, I queue up that practice the the, uh, the Maverick test run seed about once a month on YouTube just to just to enjoy it. But I hadn't I had watched the whole movie since I saw it in the theater. And did you see it in IMAX? You saw it I, once, right? I saw it once. I didn't. I saw, I was actually in Anaheim when I saw it. Um, I'm trying to think of what the the theater. The it was a different type of a sound design or some something. There was some niche about that theater. It wasn't like standard. There was something about the sound or the picture or something that was one of the state of the art, what have you. But. Um, it also had that message from Tom Cruise at the beginning, like we made this for you, and we're so glad to be showing this on a on the way it should be seen, all that stuff. And then I'll never forget when it started. I got a little scared because the beginning, you know, the text that they pr- bring up at the beginning is the exact same as the original. And That's I brought funny. my 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 other my Resistance broadcast co-host with me. They they weren't very big Top Gun fans. I'm like we were going to see fucking Top Gun. We're going. And they wound up both loving it, which was good. But I got nervous for a second because I'm like, did I buy tickets to the original fucking Top Gun? Like a release? Yeah, because you could totally picture that happening too in certain cities. Like, because they, they do that. They do like theatrical runs of these really old movies. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh, I, yeah. shit. And that sounds like a mistake I would make too. But <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, oh, but it all worked fuck. out. Yeah. Because the beginning is so. I mean, you want to talk. I mean, we, we did say that this movie does do. It does show a lot of restraint with the nostalgia. It shows more restraint than it could have with the nostalgia. I should, but the beginning, it's just like going from that 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 theme, the Top Gun theme, right into fucking Danger Zone, and like all the dudes are doing the the aircraft carrier shit. It's like, all right, 
we're back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had zero problem with that. And just see, like, it felt because obviously it's, you know, they used better cameras and it was more immersive and they were able to get closer to stuff and maybe a lot less archive, not archive footage, but a lot less Navy footage. They, they actually were able to film this stuff how they wanted to film it. It felt like you were like really there in the yeah. mix. Yeah. Cause in the original, remember the, they basically barely shot enough footage for, to finish a movie. And yeah. then in this movie, apparently according to Miles Teller, who, uh, they had the exact opposite problem. They shot, so much film they sh they shot so much footage in the planes and stuff that they had they had a, a much better selection of things even though they did use the uh, archived f-14 shot from the original in this which i thought was pretty funny oh yeah i yeah. mean i didn't spot it i read it somewhere but i'm gonna watch it again and i'm gonna, I'm gonna pay a lot closer attention to the uh, that see, to see if I can spot where they use that say that same F fourteen missile shot that they they reuse like four times in the original. When wait, are you saying that the F fourteen fires a missile, and is that what you're talking about? Yeah, they bar they use that same shot from the original movie. They say. oh damn, I gotta check for that. Yeah, I, cool. I missed it too. But uh, what did you what did you think about the post mission? Sort of like, did, well, how about this? At any point when you were watching the movie, did you think Maverick was going to die? Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I, I kind of did too. I was a little nervous about that. Well, it's like I mentioned they, uh, before, it's, it, there was always, they, when they talk about Maverick and his career and his exploits, there's always that kind of hanging over it. Like that, it seems like there's a, like a part of him that kind of wants to die with his boots on. Like he doesn't want to die, but Didn't he kind of wants, but then... But then that, like what you mentioned about the love story where he says it's kind of bittersweet because he's like, I'm never going to leave you again. And then, but she tells him basically, I don't know if she directly, well, I, I think that was kind of the idea, but she inspires him to kind of take the mission by the by the horns. And then he gets himself named leader that he has to break his promise and he has yeah. to go on this mission again. So it definitely does a little, uh, it's, it, it's a little better at like pull, pluck it at the old heartstrings, this movie. Yeah, than the first one, it, and that you know they had the because when when they uh, when they're on the final mission and he does get shot down to protect Rooster, which is to which totally fits everything that's happened throughout the movie, and then it's like if he died right there, it would totally make sense, and then they have that they have that like five or ten second blackout where they say mm -hmm. they're, that they're not going back for him, and then you see him like wake up in the snow, and it's like well. I guess that's that's another minor gripe. It's like, well, I guess plane cr plane crashes don't hurt Tom Cruise. He fucking he fucking he, he disintegrated a plane at Mach ten, and just because it happened off camera, he was fine. <laughs> his hair was a little messed up. His hair was like honest. really messed up by his standards. But it's like, where am I? The kid's like, ugh. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, why is that kid English? Why is that kid doing a John Forrest Gump impression? <laughs> Life was like a box of chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> that fuck. Oh, man. Um, yeah, so I was going to say, like, because the end... And, like, I don't know if it was the Hans Zimmer stuff, because they really leaned heavy on the Hans Zimmer stuff when it was, like, serious time. And when they were, like, running, you know, running through in enemy territory to get to the hangar and stuff. And you get hit with that, like, 
Hans Zimmer like action movie this is serious stuff themes that you're like make give you the goosebumps you're like all right what's gonna what's let's get into it here which reminded me a lot of the Dark Knight Rises we're like oh is Batman gonna die in this movie is that what's gonna happen they've been like setting this up for this whole movie it felt very similar to that I was like are they gonna kill Maverick and the, like he's gonna sacrifice himself and that's gonna be it and then the end of the movie he Rooster's going to throw his dog tags in the ocean and that's going to be the end of the movie. That's what wow. I was going through my head the whole fucking time. Because it's one of those things that it would make sense not only... <laughs> sometimes when you see a movie and you just know that they're going to do away with a certain character because the actor's too old and they can't come back for another movie. Like, And then it's, it kind of takes away from it a little bit. But in yeah. this movie, it was... It could have gone either way, but they were kind of setting it up where it would make sense to serve the story, too. Because it totally makes sense that he would, like, sacrifice himself to save Rooster because he probably still feels like... It, you still have that specter of Goose hanging over him after all these years. Like, he still has the pictures. And, you know, we, we talked about this already, but it's like... it's just, it's just just it, The movie does all this stuff, and I think it, it fits together really well. And like some I, I guess some people, they're being overly critical, would think it's too neat that after all this time that he still you know, thinks about his, his, uh, co or sorry, his Rio that, that died in a training accident like 35 years ago or whatever, that all this stuff is converging at this time. But I don't know. I, yeah, I also just, it's okay. And you brought up the postmodernism and how they like, you know, try to make things more realistic and kill the good guys sometimes and all that shit. It's just, this movie needed to have, Maverick literally flying off into the sunset. You know, it needed to have that. And I think that in addition to him still being the guy also lended to this having success and being well received. Yeah, because... he, he just became more of a legend. Yeah. Like, exactly. And just by being himself. And if he died doing something to save Rooster, then Rooster has to live with that. And then it's almost like he gets the burden passed on to him now. And that's all fucking, like, I, I don't think that would have been a very good ending. Though I do think it would have been funny, and I, I this is a bit, so I'm, 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 I'm prefacing this by saying this, what I'm about to say is a bit. I don't think this should have been in the movie. But it would have been funny if, like, towards the end of the movie or something, or at least when they reconcile uh, being Rooster and Maverick, Maverick gives him, like, this gift for his birthday or some shit. And he opens it up and it's, you know, something that he wasn't expecting. And Rooster goes like, it would have been nice if it was my dad's dog tags, but he threw them in the fucking ocean. <laughs> Ass. <laughs> and then he get, for some reason, he goes fucking <laughs> Scott Evil <laughs> on the proceedings. <laughs> threw my dad's dog tags on the ocean for some reason. Ass. Ass. <laughs> he sees Wait, him throwing he the his... football on the beach. He's like... Is that how you threw my dad's dog tags in the ocean? Ass. That duck you just threw? Ass. I thought he, wait, I'm going to sound like an idiot here. I thought he threw his father's dog tags in the ocean. No, gooses. No, oh, it was gooses? Yeah. Yeah. I thought they were his dad's because he was like looking at them sometimes in the movie, but now I'll, yeah. have, to, I'll have to do a double feature and rewatch Top Gun and Top yeah, Gun Maverick back Yeah, because at the end, remember when he like, he's not, at the end of Top Gun, he's not re-engaging. And they're like, God damn it, Maverick. I knew we shouldn't have sent him up. Blah, blah, blah. He's got Goose's dog tags and he's going, talk to me, Goose. Talk to me, Goose. Yeah, they they, they had that as a callback. They had the Oh, when he says, talk to me, Dad. Yeah. That could have been cheesy. But for yeah. whatever reason, I was so like, 
rooting for this movie that I was like, that's fucking awesome. I loved it, dude. I loved yeah. it. I'm like, sure there's I'm, stuff that in this movie that like people thought was cheesy or corny or they had a problem with, but like I think like it's weird to talk about a legacy of a movie that's only been out for less than year a year and a half. But not this one. This movie part of what made it like so kind of like lightning in a bottle and such a hit was because I think that this, this is exactly like what people needed. Like it was a tough time. Like psych like with all the like I, I don't want to go through it all again, but like all thought, the no, COVID, this, is, this is a great point. I agree. All the COVID bullshit, like that shit was taxing on people psychologically. Like I'm not excluding <laughs> myself. I'm just like trying to be a little more empathetic and be like I wasn't the only person who economy like, people losing jobs and and not to mention that pot like the the quality of cinema releases over the past few years in terms of kind of like not just over like objective quality but also kind of like satisfying like personally like personally satisfying or like it was really it it's like some of the worst i've ever seen in my lifetime yeah and I, I, like I said, I don't want to get into details, pointing fingers, but it's like it, it was like I was saying on the last episode. Like going to a movie now is like is making more of a statement. It's not just something you do for fun anymore. It's just it's like oh well, it, it's kind of like what I did with Mission Impossible. Like I really want to support that movie. I, I got to go see it in the theater at least once. It's yeah, and, and, and like this movie, like it just kind of it, it 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 like brought a more like hopeful hero's journey with without. You know, so like the like the tragic trappings that you man- mentioned, right? Like, where, where there seems to be some of that pressure in more like in more modern cinema to make things a little more, I guess, real by not yeah. having. But but like this movie, it's like it's just it's it makes it seem like that, but then it kind of like just twists it on you. Yeah, like, like with, the, those Creed movies, they're like they get Rocky in there, and they're like, but Rocky has cancer now. It's like what? Like fuck it, you. They did Creed three just without him. And like, and Sylvester Stallone was all pissed off about it. I still haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. Well, it, it has Tessa Thompson in it, so like that should be fun. You like Tessa Thompson? No. Oh, she's fucking I terrible. Oh, I was gonna say, like, I thought you meant like you liked, like you were attracted to her or something like that. Just, I mean, yeah. she's not ugly, but like she's she's insufferable. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't even get me started on some actors. Uh, modern actors, but um, yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about the cast briefly. You know, we touched on them. The overall, the supporting cast. What do you think? Good choices. You like Miles Teller in this role? You like him? Yeah. There? The the I, I I um I mentioned this before. I, I, don't, I people probably don't remember, but like I was I never liked Miles Teller. Like I always thought he was like kind of obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Like he's in good movies. Like he's good in movies. But like I just something personally about him. I don't know if it was his involvement with that really bad Fantastic Four movie. Or hmm. if it's something else, but like th- to me, this is like the my it like in one guy's opinion, whatever it's worth. This is like the beginning of like the Miles Miles Teller like redemption tour. It's like, man, you were awesome in this movie. Like you you helped make this movie part like what it was. Like you, yeah. Like he was great, and he and he, that's the key casting of this movie. You know, I love to talk about the alternate castings, and in this movie, there really weren't a lot because I mean, what are you gonna do? Recast Tom Cruise? Put put Ryan Gosling in that part. <laughs> just have it take place a year later and it's fucking ryan gosling <laughs> no i like ryan gosling too i mean i was just trying to think of like some hack like just some unbelievably uninspired 
like bland choice. It's like, well, we're gonna we're gonna uh, recast Maverick. It's like, first of all, fucking terrible idea. Second of all, who's your list? Oh, we were thinking Ryan Gosling. It's like, how much do you get paid? Fuck you. Top Gun Maverick, starring Jared Leto. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you! I think you might. I think you might have fucking nailed it. <laughs> oh man, he's like, let me try to reinvent the character. <laughs> he's on set, and he's like, you know, because he's that guy who like stays in character all the time. So he just he just tries to act like fucking Maverick while he's like in, at, at catering. Just wearing aviators absolutely everywhere. Like all yeah, the time. He, he's in line at catering. He's got a dish full of like slop. And he's like, I'm going to hit the brakes. You're going to fly right by. And he just like stops short and someone pancakes himself with a, like a can of soup. <laughs> Fucking asshole. Jared yeah, Leto. funny thing is like, so suppose like, I don't know how this worked, but supposedly we'll get back to the casting stuff in a second. I'm sorry. I just, I just, this made me think of something. They said that they let the cast pick their call signs. And I'm just like, how did you write the script then? Because mm. they had the story about Hangman and like that might have been predetermined, but they said that like like Miles Teller said he got to pick his call sign and he picked Rooster because it was of the same family as Goose. But it would would have been funnier if he picked Gosling because that's a baby goose. Yeah. Or what? What's Gander? What is a Gander? Gander's a male goose. So Goose was a female. What's good for the goose is good for the gander, yeah, I think. But so, like, Gosling would be like Baby Goose, so he'd be like, I'm Baby Goose. Are you trying to tell me that you wish Ryan Gosling played Bradley Bradshaw? No. Oh. No, but uh, that's another thing that's kind of funny that they gave him that name. It'd be like you being like Johnny Johnson. Like, <laughs> Johnny Johnson, yeah. True. Johnny Johnson, the 18th. <laughs> a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of guys named John naming their kids after themselves. And his wingman... Michael Michaels, Chaz Michael Michaels. <laughs> yeah. I, I did like, love a human I, baby as much as I love this brush. <laughs> I gotta watch that one too. That's a funny movie. Yeah, Blades of Glory. I, I, yeah, I wish. Yeah, I wish Will Ferrell was still funny. Um, ah, yeah. Glenn, anyway, anyway Glenn, back to the. Cast. I thought Glenn Powell was really good um, because again, he could have been. Just like, oh, this is like just the 2.0 Iceman. He's the douche. I get it. But I thought he, he did a really good job because he comes around at the end too, sort of like the Iceman. And, and um, Hangman and Rooster had the same type of mutual respect moment that Iceman and Maverick have at the end of Top Gun. And he saves the day at the end. So they blend sort of like what Maverick's role was in Top Gun with Iceman because Maverick like wasn't the part of the, the first crew in Top Gun either. He was sent in uh, when uh, Iceman or Hollywood went down. Um, and then Jennifer Connelly, again, I thought was great. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if they were even talking to anybody else for that part. I didn't read anything. So For Hangman or for Penny? For Penny. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought she was spectacular. And, I, you know, I don't know who else they could have even considered. Uh, you brought up Monica Barbaro. I thought she was very good. The whole cast, John Hamm. Again, Ed Harris. I almost forget he's in it. Uh, overall, just a really strong cast. And even, you know, nepotism aside, Lewis Pullman, I thought was, you know, really charming as sort of the uh, type B personality in the crew um, to add a little humor uh, to to the group. And because the movie did need its humor. And it probably didn't have as much humor as the original Top Gun did. 
but they made it work still. It did a really good job of um, punctuating some of those emotional moments, like with with the uh, with humor, like when you know you go through all that all that stuff in the final mission where Maverick gets shot down, and then he's he's like hiding from the helicopter, and then Rooster gets shot down, and then he runs over. The first thing he does is shove him to the ground because he's mad. Yeah, I so, agree. Like, they yeah. always they always found. Uh, they managed in certain moments because I, I I agree I think it, it, the movie definitely you know appeals to uh, it's definitely emotional in parts I mean I I thought it was and you 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 said you thought it was but what I wanted to kind of get back to the casting thing because you mentioned the hangman part they kind of beef that part up a little bit because yeah clearly he's like the the callback to Iceman he's like the new he's like the the parallel to Iceman but then. You know, He's got he does man have... in his call sign. Like they got real so close. <laughs> like ice man. But then it, it's like he has a he has a kind of a cool arc because he gets humbled getting left out of the mission that he wanted to be team leader for. Which, you know, you think about his shitty behavior. Like some of it kind of is motivated by just him being super competitive, and they just show up like that, like by the way he plays games and stuff, like the way he plays darts and pool and all that shit. Just in that brief scene at the beginning. But he, um, you know, he gets humbled, and then he like. You see that, like he he does that like little fist pump when when they when, when they when they reveal that things are like when Maverick's still alive, and then he wants to go back after him, and they won't let him. And you can see how pissed off he is. And then it's like it's like oh okay, so this guy really he has other stuff that he's about. Yeah, it just seemed like he was about himself for most of the movie, and then like they they show in those little moments how he's kind of grown a little bit. And one of the things about Glenn Powell was he was one of the finalists to play. Uh, Rooster, it was down to him, Miles Teller, and Nicholas Holt. Which I mean, I know I know Brits take our acting jobs all the time, but like I, I like if Goose's son was played by a Brit, I don't I don't really know how it would have how it would have felt about that. Yeah, that and Forrest Gump. And then you could have done some done some of the ADR work for it. Yeah, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you. Well, that was one too many. I agree. <laughs> it's like you do bad impressions like every fourth episode. And I just fucking let it go. I do one, and it's like... You had you to bloody th- bring it up, didn't you? Isn't it? <laughs> do I have melt written on my forehead? <laughs> you fucking what? <laughs> Stay tuned after Shut the, the episode. Fuck up, Bruce. Shut a, the fuck up, Bruce. Shut the fuck up, Bruce. Cockney variety hour. Yeah. No. Yeah, I feel like um, anytime I do that type of accent, it's like I think about like Christian Bale. <laughs> But it, yeah, Miles. So Miles Teller won out to play Rooster, but it could have been Glenn Powell. So wow. I, I don't know if mm. that would have worked. I think he's too, like, it, I don't know if this is just hindsight or whatever. But like, if they cast him and gave him like a different haircut, and a mustache, it's like that looks like Iceman's kid. Like, what's <laughs> <Yeah>, he <laughs> exactly? That's true. That's a that's good probably point. a big part of the reason why he he uh, didn't win the part. Yeah, and it, it maybe it also came down to personality types and that sort of thing where I think Miles Teller sometimes he's been known to sort of play the person who is doubted and needs to prove himself and that's not the way I saw like Len Powell carrying himself, especially as the fully assured, assured of himself hangman. Like the, the cool part about Bradley Bradshaw's character in this movie is he sort of is Maverick because his dad died when he was a little kid, same as Maverick. And he's sort of like in in Top Gun when they tell Maverick, 
or Goose even says it to him. It's like you're flying against a ghost up there. He's the one now who's trying to prove himself the way Maverick was, uh, like almost vindicating his old man by like, like giving the name some recognition. And it's almost like he felt Maverick was keeping him down from doing that. And I like that he sort of takes on the role of Maverick in this movie, even though obviously Maverick is still here. That's that's a really good. I didn't even think about that. I mean, that's a good parallel. The only reason, like, the only the reason I thought that it, he like wasn't the Maverick stand-in is because he's always he's like they they really beat you over the head with the that he's like a very he's a very good pilot, but he's very cautious. Yeah, and, and yeah. then they make the point about how like he because his father's death affected him so much like it was in that first trading exercise where he basically like took the hit for somebody even though it was a trading exercise and then that it, they yeah phoenix the one of the lady pilots she has the pilot s no i don't know uh but she has a lot she's like no well now you know something about rooster like oh, and, and they do he... a lot of that stuff to try to one of the things i really liked about the phoenix character though was that they didn't like beat you over the head with the fact that she was a, like a woman it was there was like one line about it and then that was it yeah and yeah and she yeah like every all these pilots sort of had their own flaws and you saw them mess up and sort of thing it wasn't like they're all perfect and this one's better than this one because of this it's like you saw them all sort of like like even brought up coyote passes out uh she gets knocked out uh you know, Bob is a little strange and he messed up during the uh, training runs uh, with the uh, and the system, the systems got all messed up on him, too, uh, it, it, during the real mission, I think, I believe. Yeah, that yeah, that was when uh, he had to drop it blind. But yeah, Phoenix, she uh, like I cracked on it about like, well, she she crashed a plane and she got to go. But she did handle that whole thing like a champ in the movie. Yeah. Like like she almost went down with the plane like she, but. I think they chose... It, it seems like everything that went into making this movie, and because they were probably so closely working with the Navy, is they leaned on the realism of what it's like to be a fighter pilot versus what do movie audiences think fighter pilots are supposed to be like. And they brought up their flaws. They brought up... They, they each had their own defining personality. And for a movie that's a Tom Cruise movie with a lot of big names in it, a lot of these other supporting characters were still very identifiable in their personalities and stuff. Whereas they, they could have just fallen through the weeds and been easily forgotten throughout this movie. But you're like, oh yeah, Phoenix. Like I remember what she was like in this movie. I remember the name Phoenix, let alone anything else. So um, I think they did a very good job of making sure there everyone had this sort of presence because then by the end, even though you're really focusing on um, Rooster and Maverick and from an emotional standpoint, you still like I worried. I was like, oh, I hope Bob gets out of this. You know, I hope he's all right. You know, Sit, or even like uh, Hangman when he shows up at the end to, to bail their asses out, which is also very cool that they didn't have an F-14 go toe to toe with modern uh, jets. They were like, we are screwed. We we are out of guns. You know, backs against the wall, and then he shows up and bails him out. You kind of like do one of those, like, yeah, there he, there he is. He shows up. So, and they do that line. He's like, I am good, Rooster. You know, I'm I, very good. I'm very good. Yeah. <laughs> so, I thought that was all pretty well done. Um, overall, though, the post 
uh, when, when um, Rooster goes back from Maverick and he gets shot down and they find their way to that um, enemy territory um, hangar and they get the F-14 and they're in it and Rooster's like, this thing is so old and there's so many different you know toggle switches and he doesn't know where to find the radar systems and stuff. That also could have fallen flat too because we are now past the point where we thought Maverick was going to die. At that point, I knew he wasn't going to die because they weren't going to fake us out once and then do it again. So then I, from that point on, I thought Maverick was going to be safe. It could have fallen flat. It also could have been like, really, a fucking F-14? They're going to do this? But again, for some reason, it fucking worked, dude. And I don't know if it's because like you brought up the time it came out and everything was pretty bleak. And at least for me, you know, I had lost my job the year before. Uh, the economy, COVID, all this crap going on. Yeah. And this basically movie comes everybody's out. operating on some kind of low grade mental illness because of fucking lockdowns. Yeah. Like, and th- <laughs> this movie, this movie gives you what you're looking for, which is, yeah, a happy ending, but overall, like not one that felt unearned. I think everything in this movie felt earned. And even the things that could have been looked at as too on the nose of nostalgia, again, an F 14 Tomcat just works and it, uh, it every box they checked and every you know le- when they could have gone right they went left vice versa they made all the right choices now i know tom cruise is a big part of that chris mccrory is a big part of that but we also have to give credit to the director too who doesn't get talked about a lot when this movie is uh discussed and we haven't really talked about him very much but you've got to give credit to joseph kaczynski and in, in the job he did direct this movie because that the, to to what they put on film and in theaters for only 170 million dollars is blows my mind because the amount of insurance costs like everything that went into making this movie with all these real shots and as you brought up before minimal use of green screens uh standing ovation yeah i mean this is definitely on the list of the best sequels of all time like i don't know where it ranks or whatever but i i would de- it's definitely like one of those see rare sequels that surpasses the original in yeah. a lot of ways and and there there were like i, I don't want to over dramatize it because you've already kind of you know said it yourself uh but it's there were a lot of ways they could have gone wrong doing this and for whatever reason they managed to avoid a lot of those traps at least in my opinion like i'm I'm sure there are people who saw this movie and thought it was cheesy and there were too many callbacks and, you know, it was too much of a coincidence that you know, Goose's son got called in for this mission or whatever, but I don't know. It's like, there, it's it's stuff like that. I, I, I don't know. I was going to ask. I mean, this is like kind of a minor detail, but do you think that F-14 thing didn't bother you so much because they actually set it up in the, in the briefing? It's not like... I- the, it's not like they happened to it stumble across it. It was like they knew from the briefing that they had old F-14s at this hangar. I think that is definitely a big part of it. I think if it had just, if they had just stumbled upon them, it would have been a little... Yeah, that would have been really fucking dumb, I think. Yeah. Like if after all that, and then they're just like randomly running around, and he's like, an F-14, and then like all this, it puts, it does put, it, it's kind of interesting because it puts Miles Teller in that whole it puts him in his dad's role. Like he's completely out of his element and he doesn't know how to fly the plane. Right. Like yeah. he's not an elite pilot anymore. He has to rely on Maverick. Like his father used to, he but becomes if, like, the they, Rio for that trip. Yeah. Yeah. And, but if they hadn't set it up, like it was good. Like it was a good piece of writing. Cause it's like, Oh yeah. They knew that from the briefings. That yeah. Was and 
I remember in one of the trailers, there's a shot of an F-14 flying, and I remember speculating, wondering, like, oh, is that a flashback, or to, for some reason, does he get into one in this plane? And then when uh, Cyclone, I believe it's Cyclone, yep. or... Yeah, it brings Did up. Did you know that... they actually named him? His character's name is Bo Simpson. They did that as a tribute to Don Simpson. I thought that was. Oh, cool. that's cool. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I like that. I wonder how he got that name, Cyclone. I hope it was like he was from like Iowa or something. Uh, Coney Island, probably. Coney Island. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I think of that? That's way better. Oh, I don't know. That's why we work well together, my friend. Um, but. I, I don't know where I was going with that, but I think I... Once you saw they, the F-16 in the trailer, and the you F-14. didn't know if it was a yeah. flashback or... Yeah, once they br- brought up that they were stationed on the hangar, I'm like, oh, he's going to fucking fly that thing. Oh, I, gonna... yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I thought. Like, it's it's one of those movies, like, I kind of mentioned that when, I, when we were doing the Dark Knight one, where I was so wrapped up in the movie that I just forgot stuff that I knew going in. Like, when oh, I saw good, the though. Dark Knight the first time, like, I yeah. thought Commissioner Gordon was dead. Like, and I was like, what? They, they killed Gordon off? Because I was so wrapped up in what they were doing. And then I was, and then I thought, and I was like, oh no, I saw the part in the trailer where he shows up again. But I like forgot about it because I was so yeah. wrapped up in the film. Oh, what a good movie, huh? Dark Knight. Yeah, this uh, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, talk, yeah, some great sequels we've done, you know, no doubt about it. Um, I'm trying to think of other scenes that like, I mean, I did like the bar scene and sort of, you know, Maverick is there observing them from a distance and they, they do that whole thing, which is also a very, almost like a bit of a callback to the Charlie scene, but it's different enough that it felt fresh where he embarrasses himself in front of this woman in the original tries to take her home. She rejects him. Uh, and then the next morning he wakes up hungover and turns out she's his instructor. And the same thing happens in this one where they kick him out of the bar and literally a few of them take him and throw him his ass out of the bar. And the next morning he shows up and he's the instructor and they're like, oh, shit. I think it's the very first similar. Couple, yeah, I think the first. Yeah, the, the, yeah, it was like that was kind of like a oblique callback to that. Yeah. But uh, one of the things that like kind of bothered me the first couple times I watched this and I didn't really pick up on it until this time was how like. With with his relationship with Penny, there was all this like it was almost like a hazing element to it. Like she was always like in the beginning, she's always like busting his balls. Like she throws him out of the bar and she does this and that. But then if you but then like when I was watching it this time, I don't know why if I just thought about it differently or if I just pieced it together. But it was like, well, they had like been through a lot together, and it was like he kept leaving her all the time and. I don't know. It was it was kind of like her way of kind of getting yeah. back at him a little bit. It wasn't like that's just yeah. how she is. Cause no, it's like, yeah. Because yeah. if that's like how she was, it's like I don't I don't see the draw. Like yeah. She, besides besides being Jennifer Connelly, I don't know what the draw is. Oh, not on. <laughs> but she she definitely gave him a hard time, and but then there's the you know those moments where he's thrown out of the bar. Rooster starts playing Great Balls of Fire. And he looks in and he's thinking about, and there's the flashback of Goose and he starts thinking about him, little Bradley sitting, watching the two of them singing. And she sees him outside of the bar and she immediately feels bad for him because she probably knows the whole story, you know? Uh, So then that's, that's their way of letting us know, like, 
she does definitely still care about him. She's just putting him through the ringer because he's been a pain in the ass for so long. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I guess maybe because the way they portray the character, she seems like she's kind of a free spirit, so maybe it wouldn't have bothered her that much, but I guess it did. Oh, how about when she leaves, when, when she left the door open for him? Mm. What a what a move. <laughs> Wasn't that cool? I thought that was cool. I like yeah, that Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're like cool enough to pick up on something like that, like my dumb ass probably would have just driven away. <laughs> You like you go home and you text her. You're like, by the way, I noticed your door was open. You yeah, might want to close that. Close your door. Fucking utility rates are murder right now. You're like, close your door, idiot. <laughs> close your door. Ass. That's another another thing they handled pretty well because you don't really want to see like 60 year old Tom Cruise getting down. And I even thought the like the sex scene in Top Gun was ridiculous and like way too much face licking and, and all that shit. We talked about that on our Top Gun podcast. By the way, thanks everybody for listening. Um, if you haven't, if you're new, go check it out. We did do an episode on Top Gun. This, I believe, is our 67th or 68th episode overall. But subscribe to the show. Um, we are free on your preferred podcast app, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast, we should be there. Uh, so subscribe. We put out uh, about two episodes every month. And uh, this is our most recent movie. But uh, this has been a lot of fun. But I'll say this. They handled that that aspect of the relationship well. Where, you know, when they kissed, they kissed. But it wasn't like, oh, 60-year-old Tom Cruise. And like, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I didn't want to see a sex scene there. They handled it uh, in, a, in like this classy sort of way. Um, I thought that was also done very well. And that's probably a lot on the director. Uh, making that smart choice there yeah and maybe maybe it had something to do with the fact that they had such a long and shared history that it wouldn't be like this crazy over-the-top freak nick type of shit it would just yeah, like be team like... america he just like <laughs> he's pissing on her <laughs> like, what, are, what are they doing there's a director's cut where she's in the reverse pile driver it's like it's just it's blatantly both stunt doubles He's jumping on the couch going, I love this woman! <laughs> Oprah's there, just for whatever reason. Yeah, why wouldn't she be? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, this could have been a lot worse. They could have cast Katie Holmes as Penny Benjamin. They didn't do oh. it. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> but there was no, like, I didn't, like, when I, when I heard about this movie being made, I'm not, you know, People age and people get older, and I'm not trying to make jokes about like Kelly McGillis. And I know we did a bit on our first pot, uh, podcast about Top Gun, but I didn't like that. wasn't a thing for me. This movie, like, oh, I wonder what happened to Charlie. And you know, like it, it, people, like someone I dated when I was 22. Like I don't think about when I'm 40 now or whatever. It's just like he had a relationship. Just because it was in that movie, they could have like stopped dating a week later. She could have found a nice woman that she liked, and away she goes. Indeed. You know? Indeed. Yeah. 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 Or like if they brought Meg Ryan back and she looked like the Flashpoint version of the Joker, like that's that wouldn't be any good. You are. That's how you fly, Mike. Ice cold. No, no mistakes. <laughs> Plenty of mistakes, but definitely cold. <laughs> did you have um, did you have a favorite character besides uh, Rooster and Maverick? That was kind of the Maverick show, man. Like, the, the characters, like, they did... I, I don't want to, like, piss on your point, because I agree with it. It's just that I think they developed them just enough so that they would stand out and you would know kind of who was important. Mm -hmm. um, 
Like, I think John Hamm did a good job. Like, I, I like him in almost everything he's in. I, I need to see that movie, uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. I don't know anybody who's seen that. I haven't either. And it yeah. looks like kind of a late era Pulp Fiction ripoff, so it might not be that good, but... Yeah, I, worth a viewing, I guess. I, I forgot about that movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know anybody who's seen it. Because that's got a pretty loaded cast. A lot of notables in that one, Yeah, right? it was just one of those movies, I think it just, it just hit at the wrong time, or... Yeah, just general apathy towards the cinema, especially now with the strike. But no, I mean, like I just said, like I, I like some of the character work they did. Like I said, with um, they definitely showed some restraint without making. Uh, I know this is kind of an internet term that's getting bantered around quite a bit, but um, the uh, like they didn't make Phoenix into too much of a girl boss, which I really appreciated. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, John Hamm did a good job. Did you know that um, Warlock was originally supposed to be like a like an older Sundown? And then they decided not to do that. Oh, really? That would have yeah. been too much. That would have been too much. Yeah, I think so, too. And then uh, Clarence Gilliard Jr., he was still alive when this movie filmed, but I think he died like, Did right he? around the time it came out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. But, no, I mean, I, I think the characters were... I think they were developed just enough to, like, kind of introduce them. But, yeah, I mean, like, this is definitely, like, the the, the Maverick and Rooster show, though. As yeah. far as characters. What about you? I mean, I, I sorry I didn't really answer your question, but that's well, that's just how I what I think about it. I thought Jennifer Connolly was great. Um they took a character that was a, a throwaway just to show how much of a womanizer Maverick was and turned her into this full fleshed, you know, romantic journey for Maverick. So I thought she she brought her a game. Um I thought the way they used Val Kilmer was done really well. Um, yeah, that could have been that, that could have been a disaster. That could yeah, been it could have been. But they they managed to kind of treat his real condition with respect, and then they actually um, they kind of digitally altered his real voice for when he when he talked. And I guess they that's going to help him down the line. Mm. I, I read somewhere that that's going to help him in future projects. Well, and his so son's like, been helping him too. Yeah, with the documentary, right? Yeah, and he sounds yeah. a lot like him. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah. That. That. For sure. He can probably continue to work because he seems otherwise doing pretty well, all things considered. Um. But yeah, I thought it was good to see no, him it, in there. I'm glad um, you brought that up because I I probably would have glossed over that. But like, it it was good to have a scene with Val Kilmer because yeah. when I saw the when I saw the picture in the trailer, I thought it was just gonna be he was gonna be a picture on the wall, and then he was gonna die. Yeah. Right. Or he was right. just. Well, actually, when I saw when I saw the coffin of the trailer, I thought for sure somebody was going to die in the training or mm-hmm. something. Like I didn't even think about the Iceman angle. Like, but yeah, and, but it's one of those things again where you can't separate what's going on in real life from the art because you know you knew what was going on with that. Like, well, if you if you if you're halfway connected with show business, if you pay attention to what goes on, like you know what's going on with Val Kilmer, and they actually brought him back for the movie. But again, I, I think it's really cool that. You know, I don't know if it was one of those things where they tried to put it over too much, but it seemed like everybody wanted Val Kilmer back. They just didn't know how they were going to do it, and then Tom Cruise apparently was the most like vocal advocate of it. That's really cool to hear. Yeah, uh, I'm glad that they did that, and I, 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 I thought that was a really good scene, one of the more powerful scenes in the movie, and uh, I thought Tom Cruise brought his biggest chops in that scene, arguably anyway. Um, one scene we, we didn't really touch on that I would like to because um, I know we're getting sort of towards the back end here, but 
when he goes viper on them and he starts picking them all off and and it's the montage with the uh we won't be fooled again by the who um not sure i love the song choice because uh, i'm not the biggest who fan but i like the scene because it showed no matter we, we've met all these characters we understand who they are what they're all about and none of them were able to go toe to toe with with maverick and it like set it set it, it established that firmly for us where it wasn't going to be put into any doubt meet the new boss same as the old boss he splits the between them he does the hit the brakes fly right by maneuver uh just for some reason that line cracked me up when john ham said it like i can't do a really good john ham impression like but it would be like if he was as don draper maybe but he's like he's like and that cobra maneuver that could have gotten all three of you killed i don't i never want to see that shit again like yeah 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 but I liked how he tallied them up just by going, that's a kill. Yeah. That's a kill. And they're like, shit. <laughs> and then for some reason, the the one pilot like wagered 200 push-ups, so they were all stuck to it. Like, I, Yeah. That guy's name would have been Mud if I was fucking, if I had anything to do with it. It's like, I'm trying to think. It's like, could you, do you think you could do 200 push-ups right now? I fucking know I can't, so. In, in one sitting? Like, oh, yeah. without stopping? Yeah. Zero chance. <laughs> like, yeah. Zero. That's fucking brutal. I would tear my pectoral muscles. <laughs> my my chest would look like Chris Jericho's after I was done. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Um, Shots but, fired. Yeah, deep cut, deep cut. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's other scenes we haven't touched on. I know we don't necessarily always touch on all the scenes, but being that this is the, one of the biggest movies to come out, especially post-COVID... We would be uh, remiss if we didn't talk about its performance, which is $1.5 billion at the box With office. With no China a- release, because this movie, God Band, forbid, right? they, wanted to, they wanted to make a reference that Taiwan exists. Yeah. And also, the like the did, they didn't really say who the... the the adversaries were right it was sort of yeah i mean that part i think part of that was because you know you don't want to name names but i think part of it also was they they kind of wanted to pick and choose because the only some of the people listen i know for sure one guy listening to this will know this stuff but the 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 planes the fifth generation fighters they're called su-57s the nato calls them felons they're called the suhoi those are russian planes and, oh, okay. but the helmets are basically North Korean helmets, which were kind of the same ones they used in the original. But as I mentioned, the the Iran is the only country now that still has F-14s in their in their uh, air force. So they sort of borrowed from everything, yeah. so you couldn't. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like a hybrid of. I don't know. I guess you would call them least favored nations, to be polite. I don't know. That that what that was a funny scene so, uh, again a nice callback to the fun that Maverick and Goose would have fucking around with, you know, the enemy. It, it didn't work out for Maverick and Rooster here, but when they were like pretending to go along with that guy. And, oh yeah. And he thinks he thinks he knows what the hand signals mean for some reason. Like he gives him the 330. It's like yeah, and, uh, yeah, and he's just, and then the guy he clearly doesn't buy it, and then they get themselves in really deep. Well, shit. I, I think it's it wasn't as fruitless because with that subterfuge, they were able to take out the one plane. Because if they were going head to head with that old ass plane, as you mentioned earlier, they would never have survived. 
but right. that like bought him enough time to do that little like strafing run and take one of them out. And then they That's got the long point. they got the long chase with the other one, and then the other one did that like did that like midair like tabletop three sixty or something, which was really cool looking. But apparently, according to real pilots, that they would ne- like you would never use that in a real dogfight because you'd lose way too much speed. Right, right. And did you in the midst of all that? Did you remember that they had? Uh, accidentally cut off the the front end of the landing gear, the nose gear. This time when I was watching it, yeah, when I saw it in the theater, I don't remember because because yeah. in the original Top Gun, they wanted uh, Tony Scott wanted to do a barricade landing, which oh. is what they did at the end of this movie because you know Maverick comes in, he's like, yeah, I've got no front landing gear. One of our edges, one of our edges is burnt out, or and then <laughs> oh no, Rooster's like, did one of our edges just go out? Don't tell me one of our edges just went out. He's like, oh fine, I won't tell you. But like, <laughs> like the planes all fucked up. They couldn't land it the right way. Tony Scott actually wanted to do that in the original, but they just couldn't pull it off. And then this one, they finally got to do the the barricade landing. And of course, they did have the like the dedication to him at the end, which was really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it, everything that went into making this movie was just done so well. Um, and what did you think? I don't know if you're. Uh, we got to talk about it. I touched on it briefly before. I don't know if you're a Lady Gaga fan. I am. I, I think she's incredibly talented. I like a lot of her songs. and I, I, I do too. I don't like this one. Oh, I loved it. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I thought I'm, I thought how it was used even from a... Uh, when they used it in orchestral ways, I thought it was good. Well, I kind of like Hold My Hand better when Hootie and the Blowfish did it the first oh, time. Oh, I see what you just did. Because they had a song called Hold My Hand. Yeah, that, yeah wasn't that this song? fucking asshole (laughs) (laughs) that that, all right if i'm gonna do a shitty i like lady gaga too i just uh i wouldn't go as far as far as to call myself a little monster but i um Mm. yeah for some reason i didn't like this song as much i did like Mm. the uh the song they had on the beach which i couldn't figure out um it sounds a lot like this song that portugal the man did called i ain't worried Mm. or what me worry it has a very similar hook, but then I guess that song, the One Republic song that was in this movie, sampled another song, so it's like really convoluted. But this song definitely came out first, I think. I think Playing with the Boys came out before both of them, but yeah, yeah I think you're right. Yeah. I I also thought it was interesting they they were gonna use a remix of Danger Zone, but Tom Cruise is like, no, we're using the original. Mm. Kenny Loggins about... recorded a new version. Oh, I, did he? Kind of like to hear, but I don't know if I don't know if we have that kind of access. Oh, I wonder if we could find that. That'd be interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, were you, were you okay with the uh, rooster not doing his own song, but also but still doing Great Balls of Fire? Uh, yeah, to to a certain degree. Like I said, he he was really young when his dad died, and maybe that was like one that was like one of his last memories of him. So you could even being that age, you could kind of make the connection or. You, you wouldn't be like too much of a reach to say oh yeah i mean that's like that's probably like the the, the only really vivid memory he has of his father yeah is him playing that song and they you know they have the seed for the movie because then he died like right after that right yep yeah 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 so like even at that age like i don't know what you remember for being three or four years old i remember like little bits and pieces but that's about it, it. yeah like, some some mental photographs yeah yeah no doubt about that yeah i i only asking i didn't really uh, I went on the ride, man, and I didn't have a problem 
basically anything. In yeah, this one movie, thing that's, that's so. pretty established. I think we're both kind of marks for this movie. Like I, didn't, yeah. like even the little criticisms I had were were kind of nitpicky, and it doesn't really hurt the overall story. And it's after seeing it for the third time, so no. And, I mean, I think this is one of those movies that, and I don't, I don't want to put. I don't know. I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush, but like this is one of those movies where if like somebody said they hated this movie, I don't really know what I would have to talk to them about. Like I, I, I agree. I, I have a very hard time like understanding that. And even if you know, because I've I've had friends who like me and my brother always loved Top Gun, and like I remember when I was seven years old. I'm sure I'm repeating something I said in our Top Gun podcast. It was it was that and Batman '89 that I would wear the tape out. I would always watch those two movies. Um. But there, yeah, it even people who don't love the original Top Gun are like Top Gun Maverick was fucking awesome. You know, you don't have to love necessarily love the first one to love this movie, even though it's very strongly connected. Um, but I do think maybe it'll make people like the original a bit more. Um, but I don't think it's a stretch at all, and I don't think I'm wrong in saying that this is a better movie overall for a bunch of reasons. While I still very much enjoy and love the original of course because it's a classic um but one thing to note you know the story for this movie um peter craig was heavily involved in writing the story for this not the screenplay uh aaron kruger aaron warren singer and christopher mcquarrie who i brought up before is like basically tom cruise's right hand man now wrote the screenplay but peter craig wrote the story and he wrote the story for one of my favorite movies that we have done before the town Ah, so maybe okay. that's the John Hamm connection as well. I don't know, but um, very interesting. And I just found that out now because I was like, oh, we didn't really talk about the people who literally wrote the fucking story of this movie. Yeah, we didn't because I, I mean, it was pretty convoluted. Like, because they, I said, there was a really long development cycle, and yeah. they were talking about it for a long time. I know one thing that I thought I found uh, pretty fascinating was that you know you, you mentioned that Joseph Kaczynski is maybe not the but one of the unsung heroes of this movie and they went after some pretty big names into this movie like they went to ridley scott because they wanted they they came at him with the whole like this is a tribute to your brother angle but he didn't want to do it um wow. they talked to martin campbell who directed two of my favorite bond movies and he just said he wasn't doing pictures this size anymore uh joe johnston who I'm not really familiar with his work. I know he did the the Jumanji movie with Robin Williams, I think. But to his credit, he said he was a huge fan of the original. He just didn't think he had he he could do a sequel. He just did. Or he just didn't think he could do a movie like this. Joe Johnston is one of my heroes. He's a legend. He's one of the original ILM people. And oh, like, is that right? Yeah, that shows what I know. I mean, we all we all have gaps in our coverage, but I yeah, that's he, all I know did, from him is that he did the Jubaji movie with Robin Williams. That dude literally invented the Millennium Falcon. Like that oh. guy's fucking a king. Um, but you know what's funny though? I wonder if these directors. I, I, I'm just making this up. There, there could be nothing to this because I think a lot of people say they really enjoy working with Tom Cruise, but he seems very hands-on to the point where if you're the director of one of his movies you are directing it with him yeah because it's always his production company like but and he's always in the mix in every shot you know and like that famous story about matt damon saying how like tom cruise fired his safety guy you know like (laughs) so he can do a stunt like 
Tom Cruise is going to do the shots and the stuff he wants to do in his movies ultimately. And Oh, I see it, what you're saying. So, like, you think that, that maybe some of these bigger... A Ridley Scott might be like, I don't want to... F- I, I, I direct my movies, like... I, I, I respect Tom Cruise, love what he's doing, but that's not going to work for me at my age. Like, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, that that actually fits. That kind of makes sense because it, it also reminded me of one, like, one other thing real quick was that the, uh, you know, people talk about the original Top Gun and this, like their Navy propaganda. And <laughs> there is a division of the Navy that just deals with how the Navy's portrayed in film. And they've been at it for a long time. The, I think the first movie they did was in 1927. It was a movie about World War I pilots called Wings. And and they're in it not... And it's funny, I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy who's currently the head of that office that liaises between Hollywood Studios and, and the United States Navy, he, he said... He had a pretty funny quote about how people talk about it's like well the you know, you know, they they did that article about the original Top Gun is like brought to you by the U.S. Navy it's like this is jingoistic and it it was it was done to boost boost enlistment and all this stuff and this this uh, this officer who's in charge of this film department said that he goes look we're we're basically in it to preserve secrecy. And to make sure the Navy isn't portrayed in negative light and to like, it's basically to, to help protect both the kind of operational security and the reputation of the Navy. He's like, but he, he may have pretty, I don't know if this is true or not, but he had a pretty funny like quote about it. It's like, yeah, try telling Steven Spielberg or Christopher Nolan what to do on their movie and see how well that goes for you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> wow, so, yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, what you said just reminded me of that because it's like, yeah, maybe these bigger names just maybe they just didn't want to butt heads with Tom Cruise. I don't know. Yeah, and, and whether it's even butting heads or not, it's like he could very well be like joyously collaborative, but some directors just like like Tarantino, he's like I don't work with like if you want to improv on a movie, you're not going to be in my cast. Like like Will Smith was going to be Django in Django Unchained. And I think he, that didn't mesh well. And like he's like, I wrote the fucking script. You do the fucking words. Like, there's certain directors that just want are the show, and they want to do their own shit. Ridley Scott sort of feels that way. Like you're saying, other big directors maybe felt that way. I'm just making that up. That could I mean, not I, even I, be a thing. I, so. I totally like. I mean, I, I've never been in that spot, but I would totally understand that because like you're the director, and if the movie doesn't come out the way you wanted because you acquiesced to some actor's demands, no one's ever gonna know that unless you. Yeah, your on name's that. on it. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. if, if, if like for whatever reason like say Will Smith wasn't Django Unchained and then he made all these like stupid suggestions that like Django was like a cock who let his like wife fuck other guys and didn't say anything about it like like if he decided to do that then <laughs> and then people are like what 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 is up with this fucking like what is up with Django's wife like that he's supposedly madly in love with is willing to risk his life rescuing and then she's like having sex with like some twenty year old. Like, what is that about? And then, like, people blame Quentin Tarantino for that. <laughs> movie takes place in, like, 1860, and there's just a line in the movie. It's like, why is Django's wife so hung up on Tupac Shakur? I don't understand what the <laughs> fuck's going on here. <laughs> yeah, like, she's... she's <laughs> She's at a telegraph office and they're like going back and forth and she's making, she's like, she's like, Hey, when I was sucking that other guy's dick, how did that make you feel? And then he's just like, Oh, I don't know. (laughs) 
And then he just bitch slaps like Samuel Jackson for yeah, no reason. For <laughs> and then Samuel Jackson puts him down like Jules. Oh God, the fun we could have on a parody on that one. Um, but clearly, I mean that—that's uh, the mark where the trade officially went off the rails. So yeah, we have flown into a jet wash. Uh, I'm gonna pull the—I'm gonna pull the canopy, and hopefully Mike makes a, has a better fate than our friend Goose. Um, but yeah, uh, Top Gun Maverick. Just uh, we had to do it. It's you know, and let us know. You know, if you enjoyed our touching on a recent movie let us know if you dug that or if you prefer old school stuff um we always want to hear what you guys think about all that so we appreciate everyone listening um but i had a good time talking about this movie oh for sure for sure i mean i I usually have a good time almost always have a good time talking movies with you but uh, yeah oh always my friend Um, um but we do have. I thought it was funny. Uh, we had somebody on Twitter be like, "Oh, you guys." It was like, "I wouldn't mind if you guys did a half-ass Pantera podcast." I just wanted to address that because that would be a fucking disaster. John would be carrying that thing like you wouldn't believe. Like I, I like Pantera, but like John's like a Pantera super fan. I've only ever owned one Pantera album in my life. Wait, let vulgar. me get. Let me guess what it was. I bet it was "Vulgar Slave Power." It was. Did you yeah. get that just because I got the first couple syllables out, or did, was that a legitimate? Oh, I didn't hear that. I just oh, okay, know it's, good, it's, good. It's, it's no, probably it was their, vulgar display of power. Yeah. yeah, their most popular record. Yeah, um, but yeah, but we do appreciate I, when people get feedback about us doing other things. That's kind of oh funny. yeah, yeah. Because eventually, you know, when we're seventy and still doing this, and we've talked about every fucking movie ever made except the piano and women talking, it. <laughs> We'll have to talk about other things. <laughs> Dude, how funny would it be if we did a fucking Cloud Atlas one before we did fucking oh, the piano? God. That, oh, that, well, that you, would be you the have bit to end all bits. You have talked about us doing a roast pod. Um, so, we, I mean, that could be something on the horizon for us. <laughs> and I'm not trying to talk too much shit because I know people are going to be like, oh, they sound like, you know, a bunch of uh, chauvinists. But even if I, like, my wife would probably be like, what's this movie called? Women Talking? No thanks. <laughs> Like, you know, but anyway, I did, I, I loved talking about this. I'm glad we did it. I'm glad you were down with doing it. I knew you were a fan of the movie. I'm glad we both liked it and it was a good time talking about it. And honestly, it almost makes me want to watch it a fucking again. I told you that I'm probably going to do a Top Gun. The next chance I get, like when I have like four free hours, I'm going to do a Top Gun and then Maverick like doubleheader. That's so good. Just, just see how that, see how that tastes. Yeah. Yeah. I got to see if my dad watched Top Gun Maverick yet. Because you know him, you know he was in the Air Force and worked on F-14s. He was. A plane I don't captain. really. I met the man one time. It was at your wedding. <laughs> you don't what? I, I don't really know the man. I met him oh, once at your well, wedding. Oh well, you yeah, you know of his existence and yeah stories <laughs> I, and stuff. But yeah, he was a plane captain in in Vietnam. He worked for uh, Grumman and on Long Island, and he was yeah plane captain of F-14s. So he had to know those planes soup to nuts so he and uh, remember i don't know if you remember this but one of his planes that he worked on was in the first top gun yeah i remember you saying that that was pretty crazy yeah and i couldn't believe he just dropped that on us like what the fuck i don't have a story like that i gotta think of a story i gotta i, I need a i need another life experience but anyway um great movie awesome time talking about it i'll let you know if he sees it and what he thinks but i'm sure he'd love it um anyway we do have to pick our next movie and by that i mean you probably already picked it and you're gonna let us know what that is right now so this is actually one of those times where i i have a list of five movies that i would be willing to talk about on the next episode but 
I just can't make up my mind. And then you said something that made, so you said something about wearing out the tape. And then it made me think of a movie that I used to enjoy very frequently when I was a child and we wore out the tape on it, but it was a censored version of it. And that was Arnold Schwarzenegger's Commando. So we're going to, Oh shit. We're going to go, we're going to stay with the militarism theme and we're going to stay with the cheese and we're going to we're going to see how that all fucking plays out. Oh so, my god, Commando is so fucking good. We haven't it, it's been like 4 months since we did a Schwarzenegger movie. So Got to do one. That's way too long. Yeah. <laughs> the fuck Holy are we shit. doing? Idiots. Yeah, and we haven't even done the original Terminator yet. We just skipped over that. Yeah, you yeah, you skipped the original Terminator. Ass. <laughs> but ass. no, that should be uh that should be fun, I hope. And uh Yeah. We'll uh we'll see where that takes us. Oh, I like that. Yeah, Commando's a good one. A very good one. Um all right, cool man. Anything else before I take us out? Nah, buddy, take us home. All right. Again, we thanked all of you. Uh hit us up on social media at just the movies on X, I guess it's called now, aka Twitter. Um we may join the other ones too, but you know, we don't post too much. We probably should post more, but of course, just like the movies pod on Instagram. Mike usually, I, I usually operate the Twitter. Mike usually handles any messages incoming to our Instagram. So if there's anything super inappropriate in a response, just know that that's from Mike, not me. Um, but jokes aside, uh, thank you everybody very much. And we'll be back with you in two weeks talking Commando. And we may, I may go Commando when we record that. We'll see. But. Thank you, everybody, once again. And from me, Mike, here at Just Like the Movies, make sure you be kind, rewind, relax, and we'll see you right. Nine Gs. Minimum. Give me a break.